Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Places Where We Go. When we were together last time, we started our introduction to Italy. So today we're going to start a dive into the first city that we visited in Italy, which was Rome. And because we have quite a bit to share and a number of ideas, we're going to split this into two episodes, as we sometimes do when we've got lots to cover in a location. Yeah, Rome, the eternal city that has the most history I've ever seen, and and ancient buildings and architecture and just amazing, amazing things to see. But this was not our first international trip, but it was the first time that we spent a lot of time somewhere looking at these incredible sites. I mean, they were just incredible. Yeah, Rome felt like traveling into a time warp. I mean, you were traveling back to stuff that happened 2,000 years ago and centuries ago, and we just kind of fell into that. And it's still there. That's what's amazing is it's still there. Absolutely. So Rome offers a spectacular mix of haunting ruins, historic religious sites, and a vibrant culture. Italy's capital is one of the world's most romantic and charismatic cities. We're going to take you through the top places that we visited during our trip there, and we're going to focus on 10 in total between this episode and the next episode, and we'll toss out a few tips along the way to help you plan your future visit to the Eternal City. And uh, do you know why it's called the Eternal City there, Julie? It was called the Eternal City by the Romans because they believed that no matter what happened in the rest of the entire world, that the city of Rome would always remain standing. And it's standing it's today. It's still there today. Yes. So let's talk about getting to Rome. So when we flew to Rome from Los Angeles, we landed at Rome's Fiumicino International Airport, which is about 45 minutes away from the city center. So we planned our trip so that we would arrive in Rome in the morning. Their time. Their time, yeah. And we acclimated our sleep prior to getting there. So when the plane touched down, we were ready to go. And I seem to recall we left Los Angeles like in the morning. And then by the time we got there, a whole day had passed. Mm -hmm. Somewhere around a 14-hour flight-ish or so. Now, traveling in the current environment, you're going to need proof of COVID-19 vaccination and a negative test before departure. And these rules, they seem to change like month to month or every couple of months or so. So obviously, if you're thinking about going, check what the current protocols are. And if you go before the tourist season, we're right now seeing round trip prices from Los Angeles to Rome for under $600, which is unbelievable. Tempting. 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 Unfortunately, (laughs) we can't go before the tourist season (laughs) in this upcoming year. But when um, situations are such that we can, if we find a deal like that, 600 bucks, I mean, that's like a no-brainer. Off we go. Yes, because we did, and we'll get to it, but we... 
made a promise to Rome we were coming back. Mm-hmm. So before getting to Rome, one of the things that we would recommend is getting this thing that is called the Roma Pass, especially if you're going to be spending a few days in Rome. The Roma Pass is a special tourist cultural card that helps tourists access discounts and services that make it easier and cheaper to enjoy the beauty of Rome. And we ended up getting one of these cards for our trip to Rome, and it came in quite Mm -hmm. handy. Yeah, and then we had to buy two Roma passes because one only applies to one person. Mm -hmm. So each Roma pass applies only to one person. There's a 48-hour pass, a 72-hour pass, and here's just a sample of what you get if you buy the 72-hour pass. Your first two museums or archaeological site experiences are included. That's part of the, the purchase, although in COVID time, not every museum is open or active with Roma Pass, so you're going to have to find out what's in play in the current environment. You'll get reduced ticket prices to a number of museums and sites. You get free use of the city's public transport network. That's good for the entire validity of your card. Whole bunch of discounts, and the cost is 52 euro. So for 52 yeah. euro, you get you know quite a bit of access. Yeah. So for us, the access to transportation was just a no-brainer for us. It's like, okay, we're going to get this because we knew we were going to be using the metro and the bus system in Mm -hmm. Rome. Yeah. So we're going to list the internet information for the Roma Pass on the show notes if you want to check that out. So just getting into Rome, and, and I think we alluded to this last episode, but we got to Rome, got to the airport, and fairly easily found how to get from the airport area to the bus that was going to take us to the city center. A little confusing, but not too much. I I think we could safely say that it was somewhat easy to figure out. Yeah. And then roughly 45 minute or so bus ride. And then the bus led us off around the Termini station, which is this main train station. Yeah, it's the main hub for all the transportation services. Yeah, dozens of buses. Yeah, got off at the Termini station and I just remember following you and I had no idea what was going on, where we were going, what we were doing and I kind of thought you didn't either (laughs) at some point. I was so lost because I I knew (laughs) that we had to get our bus to get to the hotel once we got to Termini and when we got there, I just looked out and there was like, dozens of buses and I wasn't seeing a whole lot of help in English Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they're trying to figure out okay which bus is it where do we go how does this whole thing work took a little bit of time to figure out but we finally did Mm -hmm. and I think that initial getting to Rome city center that was the most confusion we had on our entire trip and after that yeah I think once we initially got the aha moment it's like okay this is what we need to do that set us up to figure out everything else yeah so in Rome let's start diving into 10 things that we are going to highlight that are examples of things you can do in Rome all 10 things that we did But to avoid this episode running super long, we're going to focus on the top four today. Or not the top four, but four. Just four. Just four. And then we'll hit numbers five through ten next time. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start with what's called the Imperial Forums, or the Via Fori Imperiali. And um, I guess just in a nutshell, I mean, these are these incredible ruins of structures that existed 
2,000 years ago that are um, preserved in such a way that, on the one hand, I mean, things have crumbled. Things have crumbled. They they were covered. It, it was quite by, not by accident, but when they finally discovered these ancient ruins, they were already stuff built upon them. So they literally had to go in and remove buildings that were built upon them, which included some housing and people had to be relocated, Relocated, we'll yeah. say. Yeah. And then they began to excavate down underneath that. And what they found was incredible. Yeah. And I think I read somewhere that 2000 years ago or whenever it was that many of these structures were built, the buildings were constructed on land that was prone to water seepage. So I think that contributed over the centuries to um, things ended up being built on top of some of this stuff and then mm-hmm. was found many years later through excavations. So the Via Fori Imperiali is identified by some as the most scenic road in Rome. So when you go down this area, both sides of this via, this road, are flanked by the ancient Roman city center. So you've got these monument piazzas that were built between 46 BC and 113 AD. So you know we're talking we're talking 2000 years ago. It's so hard to fathom. Yeah. They're still there. I mean that that is so long ago. And this area was the hub of ancient Rome's political activities. So buildings here include the Forum of Caesar who purchased the land And next to that, you have the Forum of Augustus and the Temple of Mars Ultor, which is Mars the Avenger in Latin. And in a vow made to the god Mars, the emperor, and I believe this is Augustus, promised to build the temple if he won the Battle of Philippi in 42 BC. And I believe he did win that battle, but I think it was a number of years later before he fulfilled his promise to the Roman god Mars. Mars. I don't know, is it a Roman god or Greek god? One of those gods. The modern road that is here was built in 1932 by Mussolini and completed for his 10th anniversary of his party coming into power. And so you mentioned the displacement of people, Julie. So when Mussolini built this road, there was a densely populated neighborhood of 19 city blocks with over 5,000 residents that were told vamos because we're building this road and yes now and we know Mussolini was not a nice man that's what they say so we were kind of figuring that these people were left destitute and homeless yeah I don't know exactly how that worked out for him yeah but um, they did move, and uh, as a result, we today can wander through this incredible area. The road, Mussolini's road, was completed in only 11 months, and that didn't leave archaeologists a whole lot of time necessary to catalog their findings. So the archaeologists, I believe, have been busy still continuing to catalog what they found and what there are finding in it was uh, so much. Yeah, in the time there. Yeah. Such a vast amount of stuff. And by the nineteen sixties this road became so popular and had so much traffic that the monuments began to turn black from exhaust fumes. So in twenty thirteen Mayor Ignazio Marino recognized, hey, we got a big problem here. And um his first official edict was to ban public traffic from Via Fori 
Imperiali. And today the area is largely pedestrian and um, it's just something to see in the daytime. You know, you get a good chance to you know, visually see everything that's there. And we also wandered, this is one of the many places we also wandered to at night at and night. it just takes yeah. on a whole different vibe yeah, at night. because they light up certain aspects yeah. of it and it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, and since you and I visited there, I've learned that the city of Rome has created a new way to experience the Via Fori Imperiali, which is they've created this multimedia project there in the forums of Augustus and Julius Caesars, where when you go there to visit, you can purchase headsets, sit on bleachers in front of the forums and watch projections that transport you back to the time of the emperors and experience their history in a series of light and sound that enhances the total experience. Mm, so pretty cool. when we go back, we'll have to sit in the bleachers yeah. and check that out. Mm-hmm. Number two on our random list, but one of my all-time favorites was the Colosseum. There's a reason that so many visit this site. It is incredibly impressive and it is inspiring. You just, you look at it and you know how old it is. It's stunning. It's stunning to look at. Knowing that it was built to accommodate tens of thousands of spectators Mm -hmm. for all kinds Mm -hmm. of stuff. And where we live in a culture where arenas and stadiums are built and then 20, 30 years later, they're demolished and a new one, you know, Mm -hmm. comes in with, you know, all the fancy stuff. Here you've got this thing that was built with whatever technology they had 2,000 years ago, and it's still standing. It's still standing. Yeah. Amazing. It's amazing. So a little bit about the Colosseum. When you first walk up to it, it just kind of catches your breath away. You just, it's just so stunning. It is iconic in Rome. Many, many pictures you see of the historical part of Rome that's going to have the Colosseum somewhere in it. Its history spans nearly 2,000 years. It was built in eight years, and it became one of the greatest Roman amphitheaters in that area with a capacity of nearly 50,000 spectators. That's a lot of people for back then. The exhibitions at the amphitheater had exotic animals. They did execution of prisoners. They did recreations of battles, and they had gladiator fights. And the Roman people were entertained by this spectacle for many, many years. In fact, the Colosseum remained active for nearly 500 years. Now, there was a culture that could have used some soccer, some football. Some football? They, well, Five, you know, 2000 they had years sports. Ago. Well, they, they, but, yeah, well, the, but that wasn't. They had things that they called sport that, you know. Yes, but don't forget the Olympics came out of the Greek. So there was sports that were more in tune with what we know today back then too. There was. Why the Romans went this spectator sport, I don't know. But today though, I mean, nearly 6 million people visit this site in one year. That's amazing. On July 7th, 2007, the Colosseum became one of the seven wonders of the modern world. And just the fact that it's still standing is amazing. Yeah. So help me out. We're going to do a little trivia on our Colosseum. The Emperor Titus inaugurated the Colosseum with 100 days of games, which took the life of more than 2,000 gladiators. That's crazy to think about. That's too much death. Yeah. Wow. 
the Colosseum had a canvas ceiling to protect people from the sun, which also think about, you know, 2,000 years ago, what they were able to do and the fact that they were able to throw some kind of canvas covering up on top is also stunning to yeah, me. Yeah, because it's a very large amphitheater. It's yeah. very large. And it also had like a basement below that had prisoners and the animals and all those things that were caged down below. Mm-hmm. Every Good Friday, the Pope leads the Way of the Cross procession in the Colosseum. This place has always been closely connected with the church, and on this day, the early Christians that died in the arena are remembered. So we have come up with a few tips for people that would like to see the Colosseum. Uh, When you come up to the Colosseum, you're going to see a very, very large line, Mm -hmm. or we did, Mm -hmm. and I'm assuming that happens pretty much every day. Yeah. In order to avoid those endless lines that can cost you many, many hours, it's advisable either to arrive early in the morning or to buy an entrance ticket in the Palatine Hill area since there are usually fewer people there and the cost of entrance is combined with entrance to the Palatine Hill. Or you can do what we did. Yes. We used our Roma Pass. Mm -hmm. And that offered a discount card and free entrance into the Colosseum. And we didn't even have to wait in line. There was a different entrance for Roma Pass yep. people, so we yep. just kind of bypassed the long line. It was kind of like, uh, felt like the Fast Pass at Disneyland. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I was so happy with that. Another tip to get you in um, to the Colosseum without enduring the long lines is to get there mid to late afternoon because many of the tourists that come to visit the Colosseum, get there like sometime in the morning, around the lunch hour or so. And um, it's usually later in the day that those crowds have started to thin out. And then you can also get there a little bit easier later in the day. Another great tip is if you're in that area in the evening, it is the best time to take pictures of the Colosseum. We had one of our best pictures that we took. It was raining And so you had that effect too, but the lights in the Coliseum lit up at night was an incredible picture moment. Yeah, you blew that one up and we've got that hanging on one of the walls in our house. And that's one of those photos that when I pass by it and look at it, I always have to do a double take because I'm like, we took that photo because it's so stunning. Mm -hmm. It just looks like something that was professionally done. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like you said, something between the rain that we encountered there, plus the way they had it lit up at night, just Mm -hmm. made for this spectacular photograph. It was awesome. Yeah. Also within that area, at night especially too, there is the Arch of Constantine and much, much more Mm -hmm. that are lit up at night. So those are just these fantastic photo moments that you can take. Yeah. And, you know, plan your time accordingly. So like the first two areas that we spoke about, they're like right next to each other. Mm -hmm. So you walk down that Via Fori Imperiali and at the end of the road, you land at the Colosseum. Colosseum and the Arch of Constantine is right next to Mm -hmm. it. And you could literally, if you're able to get in the right spot, get both of those structures or part of the Colosseum and the Arch into one picture. Mm -hmm. And you can experience all of those in Mm -hmm. one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Moving on to number three on our list is the Pantheon. So this was an interesting place because I remember we put this on our itinerary. We had read about it, heard about it. And it was one of these places that I had these preconceived ideas of what I thought it was and was like really surprised when we got there 
to see that it was much different than what I expected. It wasn't ruins. It was an intact building. Yeah. So, yeah, for, for some reason, I thought we were going to, like, run into something that was, like, just a facade that the bulk of it had deteriorated, but the Pantheon is still standing. This is the iconic building in Rome that has the hole in the top of the dome. When we walked in there, there was a choral event that was taking place, so we had that music that was going on. Well, Um, and don't forget, this building is dated before Christ's birth. Yeah, another over 2,000-year-old building. Yeah, so it's it's that old, and it's been refurbished, of course, but it's just amazing to look at. Yeah, and where the Colosseum is about 2,000 years old and still pretty much standing, there's a lot of it that has deteriorated over the centuries, whereas the Pantheon and... Partly, as, as you mentioned, it's, there's been some you know, construction efforts on it. It's fully intact. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I did not know about it is that it is a Catholic church and a basilica. It is now, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that was one of those surprising moments. And um, yeah, it was just a, a neat place to uh, walk around, to have that experience where it stands was not chosen by chance, but it's a legendary place in the city's history. So according to Roman legend, where the Pantheon stands is the place where the founder of Rome, Romulus, at his death, was seized by an eagle and taken off into the skies with the gods. And the name Pantheon comes from two Greek words, pan meaning everything and theon meaning divine. Originally, the Pantheon was a small temple dedicated to all Roman gods. And um, again, through the centuries, it's been rebuilt several times. At the center of it is this nine-meter diameter hole called the oculus that allows the sun to shine through. Inside the Pantheon, there's no windows, so the only light that comes into it is through that hole in the top of the dome, and that's just kind of a neat experience. It is. Yeah. If there's something about just that opening at the top and the, as the light shines through, the way it illuminates everything is kind of breathtaking. Yeah. It's just, it just, there's something about it. So there is kind of a myth that has been perpetuated that one of the reasons that there was this hole in the dome was that rain could not get in. And I'm not sure why anybody would think that. Rain actually does get in through the hole at the top of the dome. But when it rains, the Pantheon's floor is slightly convex, so water flows away through an effective drainage system that they have there. So in the 7th century, I believe it was, the Pantheon was turned into a church dedicated to Mary and the martyrs, a fact that guaranteed at least partially the preservation of the Pantheon. And this is a place that has had quite the history. So over the centuries in Rome, the Pantheon's been ransacked, it's been closed, it's been used as a fortress and as a church. 
it's gone through earthquakes and floods, but over 2,000 years, it's survived and it still stands there today. Inside, there are the remains of two Italian kings, Vittorio Emanuele II and Umberto I, as well as Umberto's queen, Margarita. And I remember we uh, walked we, by yeah, and saw the, yeah, the, the monuments. Area, yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Um, Again, you know, the Pantheon is in use today as a Catholic church. So when you do visit there, you're going to be asked to keep an appropriate level of deference. Masses are celebrated there on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligations. And occasionally you may run into a wedding that has taken place there. Yeah. So um, and I think that's why when we walked in, there was a choir. And uh, I don't remember what they were singing. It was an English language choir. Uh-huh. And I think like what happens at several places throughout Italy, choral groups from around the world secure invitations to uh, okay. visit and sing. I mean, we had even in our local community, the choir at our church. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, didn't they sing at the Vatican they a few did. years ago? Was it the Vatican? It was somewhere in Italy. It was somewhere in Italy. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's one way to, to go see Italy is join a choir yeah. <laughs> and then convince them to... Um, Get invited to sing at some historic yeah, yeah. site in there Italy. All right. Our fourth place we're going to speak about is the Trevi Fountain. Many of you have heard of this fountain, especially because it is very much known. Now, I remember this movie. It was before my time, but I remember seeing it on yeah, TV. I but think it we was both The Three Coins in a Fountain. Mm-hmm. And the Trevi Fountain is the most beautiful fountain in Rome. It's also the largest in the city. As you walk in the direction, I mean, and I remember this too, because we were walking up that one street towards the Trevi Fountain, and before you even got there, you heard the water. Mm -hmm. It's that large. It is just a huge fountain. In the movie Three Coins in a Fountain, there is a scene where they throw coins over their shoulders, and that is something that is kind of a mysterious legend of the Trevi Fountain. And what it is, is that when you throw one coin, that's a promise that you're going to come back to Rome. Therefore, we are going back to Rome because we both threw one coin over our shoulders. We must go back. We have to go back. If you throw two coins, you will fall in love with an attractive Italian woman or man, I guess. I only did the one coin. Yes, we only did the one coin because we were already in love, honey. (laughs) And if you throw three coins, you will marry the person that you met at, I believe, at the Trevi Fountain. So So we had no need to throw two or three, so we threw the one. Yes. If you want to have the myth become reality, there is a little rubrics you have with throwing the coin. So you must put it in your right hand and turn your back to the fountain and throw it over your left shoulder. Yeah, don't you dare do it the other way around. That's because, right. Because you'll mess everything up. You'll never get your dream. You'll mess everything up. <laughs> so you heard how to get your dreams come true from us. All you need to do is bring a coin and get yourself to the Trevi Fountain. That's right. Yeah. And so many people do this every year that millions of euros worth of coins are taken out of the fountain and this money is all used to support good causes. So no worries. If you don't believe in myths, that's okay. You're still supporting a good cause for there you go. Rome. I enjoyed 
the Trevi Fountain very much. That was it wonderful. It was just gorgeous. That was another place that we found ourselves at more than once during our time there. Yes, and we went back at night, too. Yeah. So we have some pictures of it at night. We saw so many things, yeah, yeah. once in the, in the day and then back at night. Yeah, and, and when it was lit up, it was just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And it does have a story to tell. There's many sculptural items within the fountain itself that has sto- a story to tell. But just to look at the beauty of this creation day or night i mean it was it was really a fun place to be mm-hmm. and why is it called trevi 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 means three ways so the fountain itself there's three streets that meet into it so they call it trevi which is three ways so i didn't know what to expect of course i mean you have these pictures in your mind for example, you know, I did see that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see things on TV, but the impact of actually being there it is just not comparable. Yeah. You know, there was so much during the whole trip to Italy that felt that way, where yeah. there were so many things that we visited that through my life I had seen in history books and travel guides and, you know, all kinds of TV shows, Rick Steves, being there. Yeah. Just totally incredible experience. Yeah. And we had gone back at night and it was it was time to eat. It was time for dinner. So we actually had stopped at a little restaurant mm-hmm. right near the Trevi Fountain to where I could actually you could hear the water. Yep. And just the the people in the area and the vibrancy of they're all talking and people are happy and it was just the whole experience was, it just had a magic to it. Yeah. And one of the things that, of course, if you go to Rome, you can't help but experience, but it's going to be the food. So Mm -hmm. that's one of the things we are going to talk about in some more detail next time. Mm -hmm. But today, you know, we wanted to get us started into visiting Rome. So we've got those four places that Mm -hmm. we covered. More that we'll include on our next episode. Yeah, and we're at this interesting time just because, you know, travel is so uncertain. And um, I know some people haven't been doing as much travel, but, you know, I was just um, a couple hours ago, I was outside talking to the neighbors. They're planning a trip next summer to Spain and to France. It's possible to get to Italy. I just mentioned like these incredible rates that are available Mm -hmm. in the coming months. You and I, we actually do have a tentative opportunity to get overseas next summer. So we'll see how that goes. Mm -hmm. If things go well, we'll do a domestic trip and an international trip. But uh, if you... You do know I'm getting more information on that. I actually have relatives that are connected there right now. In the place that we talked about visiting? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have more planning. So we've already started to plan the trip Mm -hmm. and we'll start to do some more planning. Mm -hmm. And if you have not been to Italy, if you have not been to Rome, hopefully the information that we're sharing with you in this episode, the last episode, and a few more episodes to come will help you, will inspire you. And geez, if you've never been there, we sure hope that you get yourself to Rome someday because it is, it's got to be, you know, when I think about places in the world where you've got multiple important parts of history to experience. I don't know that there's too many more places, if any, 
that have more to offer than what you're going to find not only in Italy, but particularly in Rome. Just a stunning culture, stunning place. Yes, but all throughout Italy. Yep. I mean, Rome, Rome has such an incredible, vast history. You could spend a lot of time there, but we have to go back because there's other parts of Italy I want to see. Yeah, and we made that investment into the Trevi Fountain. We so, did. yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we will catch you back in a couple of weeks. We'll wrap up Rome. We still have so much to go through with you about Italy, but um, an episode at a time and um, hopefully a digestible episode at a time. So, thanks for joining us. And if you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite source of podcasts and catch up on our future episodes. We really appreciate it if you left us a review. Reviews are free. Uh So it would be your gift to us, and we would so appreciate it. And if you've uh, tuned in a couple of episodes, we thank you so much for listening to the show. And we also have a YouTube channel, The Places Where We Go, where you can catch up on our trips in video format just about every single week, actually. So until next time, thanks for joining us in the places where we go. Bye. If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube, where our channel name is The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.